There may be foundational practices, right, that we want to integrate into our life. Maybe we want to become more active. Maybe we want to change what, how we're nourishing our bodies. Maybe we want to um, have conversations that help us to shift dynamics in relationships or things like that. Maybe there's, you know, those kinds of uh, bigger picture things. But it really is about in the moment. It's about how we're speaking to ourselves. It's about um, how, we're, how we open ourselves to receive. Um, it's that self-responsive piece. You're listening to Take Regular Breaks, the positive mental health podcast empowering you to find balance in all aspects of your life. I'm Tanya Diggory, and today we'll explore the power of conscious service with Elizabeth Bishop. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm so delighted to be joined by the lovely Elizabeth Bishop tuning in from Canada today. So with a background in human services and post-secondary education, Elizabeth Bishop is the creator of the Conscious Service Approach, a research-based set of principles designed to enhance the experience of service providers and the quality of service they offer. Elizabeth is also an author of regular blogs and her new book, Conscious Service, 10 Ways to Reclaim Your Calling, Move Beyond Burnout and Make a Difference Without Sacrificing Yourself. As the founder of Elizabeth Bishop Consulting, she facilitates ongoing discussions, workshops and online courses that explore the meaning of being of service. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Tanya. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. I've been so looking forward to this episode. And first of all, can I just say, I love the choice of the words conscious service. I thank you. Thank you. It kind of, I think it came in a dream or something like that. You know, one of those early morning, you wake up and it's like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use that. I'll go with that. I love it. The, the two words just melt together so beautifully. And I feel like just observing that it straight away inspires you to consider what that means to you on an individual level. You know, like what does conscious service mean to me? So yeah, it's, I love beautiful. that. Thank you. Oh, pleasure. It's from the heart. <laughs> um, so now today, obviously, we want to hear from you where this was inspired from and, and how did this come about? But just first, bravo on the title. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so what motivated you to create the conscious service approach? Well, um, it, it's a it's been a very much a lifelong kind of mission. I think that I wasn't even I wasn't consciously aware that I was on for a really long time. <laughs> um, it started for me personally. Well, I was uh, motivated. I felt a calling as a teenager into the the work that I wanted to do, where I was consciously aware of what I wanted to do and pursued that, and so went into a human services field early on. And uh, we used to talk in, in college classes about, and I think this still happens, about the risk of burnout and how to, you know, care for yourself and all those kinds of things. And, mm. But it was kind of all up here, you know, it was all just thinking and talking about it. And so I hit walls of burnout and disillusionment quite early in my career, several times. And, and I found it quite disheartening. And, and so I did develop strategies and things like that. But then I would say probably a good 20 to 25 years into my career and going through some different life changes as well. Um, I caught myself in a mantra of, I just need to get through the day. I just have to get through the day. Mm. I've just got it, you know, and I thought, Oh my gosh, like, that's not good. <laughs> what happened? You know, so I kind of tuned in on that. And I found just that the thing that sort of helped me through that was realizing and committing to that, whatever I did needed to have personal meaning to me, as long as it had meaning to me, 
then that would be my motivation and my you know reason to keep going. So I started there and then things just kind of evolved. And I started to see from you know the personal perspective, the connection to what I was doing professionally. I was working in brain injury rehab at the time mm-hmm. and also post-secondary education. I started to notice the gaps in the academic piece, you know, and it was like so many things that started to become clear. And I was working, you know, on writing at that time. But that kind of brought it all together and um, gave me my focus for my master's research. And then going through that process, that's where the conscious service idea kind of evolved. Mm. And I started to work really consciously then and focused on the book and on the work at that point. Right. Fascinating. Yeah. And, and what did you study for your master's? What was the, what was the title? It was it was a master's in adult education, but my research was focused on how to facilitate self-reflective practice in the helping professions. So it started with that really kind of what I realized later was a narrow focus and then morphed into, oh, no, this is way bigger than that. Like that's sort of a key ingredient but it's, it's got a ripple effect yeah. and the personal and professional integration pieces came together for me in that. And, and I think the key too, you know, I, I guess I was motivated by my own um, experience mm. of feeling disillusioned of knowing how, when I wasn't well, my service delivery was also not at its best. Mm. And um, just a shift in perspective. There was a, there was a big sort of personal growth, spiritual discovery process in there as well that helped me to kind of reframe some of my earlier mindsets about what it meant to to be uh in service you know and Mm -hmm. to be relating to other human beings and and yeah so that's that's kind of in a nutshell (laughs) motivation so much of what you just said I'm like oh my gosh we could unpick so much of that (laughs) absolutely I have a lot I'm sure we'll come back to it as well. Um, there's something that really struck a chord with me um, with what you just said was that idea of I just have to get through the day. And there's so many people who feel that or who are either aware of that or maybe not so aware, but that's kind yes. of their their kind of internal mantra or that's their um, their habits, you know, their behavior. Yes. It's just become a norm. Um, yes, what would you say to someone who might be going through that and just as a kind of step, you know, to to step away from that and and have the confidence to actually look at what's going on? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you can hear it, like that's what it was for me that morning. Um, I know it had been going on for a long time, but that morning I just, like it just, I couldn't hear anything else other than this voice saying, just get me to four 30, just got to get through the day. That's all I have to do. Mm -hmm. And to me it was, well, you know, you're, you're going to be 90 or so one day and you will have just gotten through the day. Like what's wrong, you know? So it just became more of a, let me open to this Mm -hmm. and let me um, explore what's going on here so that I can see what it would take to get back to like an original inspiration, like that, what inspires me now? What am I here Mm -hmm. to contribute? You know, how do I want to feel? So asking myself questions and just getting really curious. And that's where the self-reflective practice piece really comes in, right? And once we start that process, you can always step away, but I think it becomes more and more uncomfortable to step away from that kind of self-exploration once you have been doing it. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, there's that part of you that knows, yeah. <laughs> wait a minute, come back here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you're on that road. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely. 
And I, I love how you observe this idea of conscious service as integration. And I know in previous conversations we've had, you've reflected on how compartmentalization of self isn't as much an effective approach to finding balance. So I'd love to talk about that idea of balance with you now, because yeah. I also think the idea of balance is, is being reimagined, reconstructed, reapproached constantly nowadays, yes. because life is evolving at such a rapid speed, right? And, and in large part due to the pandemic, our work is blending and merging within our day-to-day lives in different ways and, and, and within our responsibilities in our lives and to the point where we need to embed our own boundaries around our time. So how do we want to spend the precious time we have on this earth, right? Like you just said, you, you get exactly. to 90, imagine work backwards, you know, well, what do you want to look back on and think that's, you know, how I contributed because we can all contribute. We all have our own service yes. to, to give. Uh, so with that idea of integration, what does finding balance mean to you? Well, I'd like to just say too, like, it's also that, um, how did I, how have I contributed, but also how have I experienced this journey? You know, like, have I been white knuckling it all the way through, you know, holding my breath, that kind of thing, or have I been able to sink into it? So for me, balance, I think, I think what's evolved for me in, in experiencing balance and, understanding it, but also kind of trying to embody it has really evolved over time. And I think we still in our society here a lot, we, we talk about balance in terms of kind of the external. How do I manage my external world so that I can feel balanced, you know, at some point, right? Mm. Or we project into the future of how we're going to, you know, we're going to change this and change that so we can feel balanced. And for me, what I've discovered is that balance, it, well, first of all, it's very personal and subjective. Mm-hmm. And it's an internal experience. So I can tune into that at any moment of the day. I don't have to wait until Saturday to restore my balance. I can tune in and notice, oh, something's not aligned here. I'm feeling out of whack. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something's off. And I can take just that moment, even if I don't get an answer about what that is. Like I, you know, I think I've finally been able to give up needing to know (laughs) to have an explanation for what's going on and to just be able to to recognize that sometimes just responding and acknowledging that oh this feels off or I'm not feeling right for me right now is sometimes enough you know it just to say okay that's what's happening okay I'll just take a second here Mm. and just be kind to myself for a moment like just even in how I'm speaking to myself notice it and if there's more information that I need, I, I, I know that it will come. Otherwise, it'll just flow through because sometimes mm-hmm. it's just stuff, right, mm-hmm. that we're picking up on or we're remembering or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, and that's fluid, right? It's yes. not necessarily going to be there tomorrow or it might be, but then it might go away the day after or the following that's... week and, and some stuff lingers, some stuff doesn't. <laughs> exactly. And we don't, I think we want to be careful not to get too attached to this idea that we're going to find balance and stay there. Cause that's not what it is. Like if you think, you know, you think about yoga classes, you think about anybody who has to have balance in their physical body to do something mm-hmm. like a tightrope walker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all about that moment. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday or what's going to happen on Saturday. You know, yeah. it's all about right now one foot in front of the other. And mm-hmm. so for me, that's really powerful. And, and so I've gotten out of that idea of, you know, how many hours do I spend doing this or hours do I spend doing that? And more with what, what is my energy calling for right now? Mm. And it, and even that some days 
does not work, right? Yeah. Like, you know, sure. some days it, it flows really well and other days I struggle with it or I find resistance in it. So, And that's called being human, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. I, I totally relate to that as well. And I think there's a lot of empowerment in just acknowledging that like, okay, today is not one of those days where it feels a bit more straightforward or easier to sink into this, like whatever I yes. need in this moment, it's just difficult. And I, I just need to accept that. And that's not easy, but no, it's not, but it is real. And I think that's part of how we practice these mm-hmm. very kinds of qualities. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's what I think throws, well, throws me off anyway. If, and, and especially in the beginning of my practice and discovery too, like, you know, okay, I got to get up at five and I'm going to do some meditation and do some Reiki. I'm going to get outside and, you know, and that was all great to develop the practices. But as soon as I was attached to a certain outcome, um, then, then it wasn't useful anymore. You know, it just beca- became another thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas perhaps for some people, it's like looking at, okay, what are the things that help me to feel more balanced and more connected and more centered? And when I feel called to lean into that, or when I feel like my body is telling me to lean into that, go for it, go for it, you know, and yes. it doesn't have to be a set amount of time. It can be little incremental, tiny bits of yes. time and it can be longer periods at other times but it's it's I guess honoring your body and what it needs and your mind and your soul right yes absolutely mm. so for so many people I think what we're tapping into now is talking about self-love right and and that isn't an easy practice for some and yeah. a big part of what you teach through your conscious ever's approach stems from how to manage being self-responsive and self-loving while also being connected to others in states of empathy and compassion. Yes. For anyone listening to this who is perhaps grappling with that idea of self-love and compassion and cultivating the energy needed to be there for others while navigating their own challenges, where do you start when committing to loving yourself? Well, I think we were just getting right to that actually, Tanya. And to me, it's we start in the moment, we start now. Um, whatever it is. And sure, like there may be foundational practices, right, that we want to integrate into our life. Maybe we want to become more active. Maybe we want to change what how we're nourishing our bodies. Maybe we want to um, have conversations that help us to shift dynamics in relationships or things like that. Maybe mm-hmm. there's, you know, those kinds of uh, bigger picture things. But it really is about in the moment. It's about how we're speaking to ourselves. It's about um, how we how we open ourselves to receive. Um, it's that self-responsive piece. Uh, I can tell you a little story that was a mind-blowing moment for me. Yeah, go for it. About how it was so uh, such a minute little detail. I was sitting on the front steps of, of the house I lived in before, drinking my morning coffee. You know, and I made the coffee at that time. I used to take a little bit of cream in it. And mm-hmm. I put the cream in and it started to flake, you know like it does when it's not, not good. But I looked at it, I thought I'd be okay. And I went out and I sat on the front steps and I started sipping and it's like, yeah, it's not okay. You know, it isn't okay. But I had all this resistance and I lived right next door to a grocery store. I mean, right there. And I had all this resistance to throwing it away and going and getting new cream. And I thought, you know, if this was a guest in my home, I wouldn't think of serving this to them but I'm going to somehow force myself (laughs) drinking this coffee with sour cream in it. Like it was just a, it was so a mundane thing, but Mm -hmm. it was huge. 
And I thought, where else in my life do I force myself into these spaces that it's good enough for me? It's good enough. You know, like that kind of thing. It was a turning point. It was huge. And I realized how in the moment that Mm self-loving response actually needs to be. Yeah. I mean, it's symbolic, right? So very often it is those small moments, those little things that happen. You're like, this isn't a big deal, but actually what does it say about my attitude (laughs) You know, towards this? And I love that even just, even just as a takeaway, what you just said there about if I had a guest staying over a friend or whoever, like, what would I do in that situation? And let's treat myself in that same way. I think it's a great technique actually. Oh, absolutely. And I think, um, um, it's, it, you know, I, I remember learning this from uh, Christopher Watecki, who's a, he's a spiritual astrologer. And he talked about how self-love is not in those big decisions. Like we struggle through some unhealthy relationship for 15 years, and then we just love ourselves enough to get out, but we, you know, or we stay in that job that's sucking mm-hmm. the life out of us for, for however long we do before we make a change. It's, and I thought that's really profound because it really is those moment to moment things. So that mm. to me, that's the practice. That's the actual living of it and noticing mm. when am I being hard on myself? When am I forcing myself when I know that I really need to stop mm. or when I'm um, telling myself things that aren't true, you mm. know, or conjuring something up that I know is going to lead to suffering like Mm. you know so it's not about bypassing it but noticing that and then being kind to ourselves just taking the moment to be kind because we're all talking to ourselves all the time right we are are. we're spending 24 7 with ourselves there's no getting away from that so (laughs) but we try we We do we do (laughs) and we learn don't we (laughs) we do we do Hi everyone, just wanted to take 40 seconds of your time to mention our mindfulness guides and e-courses designed and curated to help you feel calmer, happier and empowered to regularly nurture your health and well-being. Our four e-courses explore the themes of self-kindness, mindfulness for sleep, stress relief and daily mindfulness, offering a blend of guided audio meditations, movement and breathwork videos, well-being recipes for healthy living and book recommendations. Each e-course is drawn from evidence-based research, guiding you through a healthy, restorative routine that supports your overall well-being, enhancing your effectiveness in work and all aspects of your life. You can find out more by visiting our website, thisiskarma.com. Thank you for listening. And now back to the episode. I'd love to talk about your book. And before we do, you kind of... uh hinted at this earlier in your in your intro um, when you were talking about sort of personal experiences that you've had and overcome challenges to get to where you are today. So I really appreciate that you're very open about your own experiences of navigating not only your own mental health challenges and recovery from abuse of alcohol, but also experiences of mental health issues and addictions in the lives of those you love. Mm-hmm. So how did you set out on your own journey of recovery to get to where you are today? Well, um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like my journey of recovery, probably very similar to many people uh, listening, has been more like a spiral <laughs> than a straight line. That's for mm-hmm. sure. So I find, or circular in a way, right? Um, and maybe sometimes it feels like a circle, but maybe it's more like this, right? That there's some ascension happening um, and uh, things that we revisit. Um, but I think 
part of what I've been understanding or learning in my own journey is that even when I do revisit perhaps old patterns or behaviors or ways of thinking, that I'm seeing it from a different angle or I'm experiencing it differently. And I'm learning to love myself anyway, because I think in uh, a lot of the times with mental health challenges and addictions, there's so much guilt and shame involved mm. um, in those experiences. And whether it's our own or, or the people that around us and that we love, I mean, there's stigma and stuff attached there. Right. And yeah. um and I think that's a unique experience for service providers as well, uh, because we're not supposed we're supposed to have all of our stuff together all the time, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, supposed and, to. <laughs> yes, and so when we don't, it becomes very challenging to seek out the help. So for me, I, I would say the first time that I really realized, hey, I need to make some changes here, and um, this is not okay. Mm. I don't know what it was, but I felt, and I and probably a combination of my own sense of um, maybe being self-responsive more so than I thought I was at that time. And the people that I was working with, I, I told them where I was at and what I needed to do. And they supported that process. And even, you know, um, when I was grieving the loss of my nephew, I did the same thing. Like I tried to kind of move through that first and do my best and hold it together until one morning when I woke up and thought, yeah, everybody thinks I'm holding it together, but it's just a matter of time here before everyone knows that I'm not. And I don't want to do that. But I found just being honest about where I was at and what I needed to do was a relief and gave me a lot of freedom in being able to navigate what I needed to do at that time. And then so much of it is is really personal and subjective. Like it's a it's quite a, a deep situation when we find mm. ourselves in any kind of addiction or um, mental health challenge yeah. that can feel really isolating. So mm. um, I think it's been a combination of, of knowing where my resources are and were and how I could access that. And then also knowing my own internal resources and learning how to keep coming back to that mm. and sitting with myself in some of the more difficult moments instead of running away or finding a way to get out yeah absolutely yeah. thank you so much for sharing that Elizabeth and thank you I'm so sorry for the loss of your nephew as well yeah. just wanted to share my condolences there thank you um, of course and you know using grief as an example it certainly is anything but linear you know it's totally oh just all over the place and it's you're right everything is uh like all our experiences when it comes to managing grief you know dealing with mental health issues addiction whatever it is the challenge that people are going through it is completely personal to them and that's yes. why I always really appreciate when guests on this podcast choose to share their story because you just never know someone might be listening um that just resonates with that and it's like yes I think I get that and that you know I, it relates to me and my situation or that might help me. You just never know. So yes, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Of course. So it's, it's amazing to hear how all your experiences have led you to this point where you've not only set up your own business to help others realize their own self-worth and value, but you've also written your own book, which I'm sure goes even deeper into a lot of the things we're just touching on today. So Conscious Service, 10 Ways to Reclaim Your Calling, Move Beyond Burnout and Make a Difference Without Sacrificing Yourself. I mean, I could just meditate on that for a while. That's <laughs> beautiful. Again, you're one with the titles. It's just brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> so on that note about value, I'd like to just read a quick excerpt from your book for our listeners, if that's okay. Yes. Ideally, our values guide us in how we wish to live. Your values are there as a standard you are striving to live up to in your own life. They need not set the bar for anyone else. This can sometimes be a tripping point for us as we learn to more fully integrate our values with our actions. As we pay more attention to our own internal alignment, it's easy to start monitoring and judging how well others are living up to our values. Nobody else has any obligation to live according to your personal value system. It needs to work for you and you alone. Start to notice the connections between what you value and what motivates you. What will it take for those aspects of your being to work better together to drive and guide your journey of conscious service? Beautifully written, Elizabeth. What is, what is your hope for this book? Oh, I have such big hopes for this book because, well, I guess because I've been so invested in it. I, I mean, it really, um, the whole journey, uh, I found every time that I kind of hit a wall with anything or if I felt, you know, disillusionment or something coming back in or frustration or I had to recommit myself to the process, whatever it was, it was usually because I wasn't living the guidance that was uh, showing up in, in the writing of the book, right? I wasn't, you know, I was trying to write something, but I wasn't doing it myself. Yeah. Um, so I think that in, in committing myself to that and continually reinvesting and showing up for whatever that meant in the moment as the book was kind of coming through me um, was a key piece of the overall experience. And so I would hope that anybody who reads the book would be able to to find that space for themselves. Um, it's really not meant to be a prescriptive, here's the way to do something. It's meant to be more, here's a kind of an umbrella of ideas mm. and here's one way. That's why I call it uh, the conscious service approach because it's just one way mm. that we can navigate our own path through a sort of a shared and similar kind of experience that people have when they go into service in all different kinds of ways, mm. whether that be professionally or, you know, um, informally. Mm. I, I mean, I really love that idea. And that's what I'm playing with now too, is the idea that we're all here to serve each other in some way. We're all here to offer something and we're here to receive something. Mm -hmm. And what does the energy of service actually what does that mean? What does it feel like? And how does it translate? Because I have a feeling that um, some of the ways that we have interpreted what service means in the world has been uh, skewed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hopeful that the book will land with people um, on an individual and personal level, but that it will also ripple out so that we can start to see things transform like say within our healthcare systems, our social mm. service systems, our education systems, mm. by kind of really um, helping people to to tune into their own sense of personal responsibility and freedom mm. to to choose how they want to show up and how what brings them joy in this kind of work. I think that that's such a key piece of well being that we often overlook. Mm. So so that's my hope that it'll resonate, that it will land where it can be of benefit and that'll open up discussions. There's no, there's no firm answer in this book. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, it's a process. It's a discovery, but I think the answers do come on a, on an individual, personal subjective level mm. for sure. Well, it sounds like, and from what I've read so far, you know, it, it gives you 
a, a template to work from, right? It yeah. gives you yeah. that foundation to, and, and a springboard to, you know, instigate even more ideas and help yes. people towards a path. And can I just say, this is very well-timed, this book as well, given <laughs> the, the state of play around the world today and all the different yeah. global events that we're experiencing and the challenges and the economic challenges as well. You know, it's so many more people are questioning, you know, they're questioning yeah. what is most meaningful to them in their lives. So I think that this book is incredibly well-timed and I wish you every success with it as well. Thank you. And you know what, just to go back to that discussion we had earlier about balance, you know, that whole idea of the work-life balance. I mean, I think that's another key thing that can be really challenged right now. Um, and that that has always sort of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm kind of one of those people that, you know, I hear that terminology, certain terminology, and I think that doesn't make sense, not really, <laughs> yeah. you know, because to me, and I think for many people, how we express ourselves in our vocation mm -hmm. is an expression of who we are. That's what we originally intended it to be. Mm -hmm. And so to think when I hear work-life balance, it sounds like, are we not living when we're at work? It, it really perpetuates exactly. that mm. working for the weekend and mm. disconnect yourself and the paycheck and all mm -hmm. of that. And I think that that's, that's part of our demise. So I, I hope that the book will also support people in really reconnecting back to what inspires me and what matters to me mm -hmm. and what can I feel energized in so that it becomes like a natural overflow and I can express myself through my, my work. And that's just one of the avenues that I have in my life mm -hmm. to express myself. That's my hope. Oh, could tell you're a wordsmith just again, beautifully said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, Thank and you. I, I totally resonate with that as well. It's actually a blog that we've written at Karma about work-life alignment because yeah, we feel yeah. that that kind of expression is a bit more accurate. Like we get the, you know, work-life balance has been used as a, a terminology for years and people get it. They get what it's, the, the intention behind it anyway. But I agree. It's almost like it, it uh, implies that you've got work on one hand and then your whole life on the other it just that doesn't seem very balanced <laughs> to me no you know and when you think if you're working full time or then some mm. you know mm. if your heart's not in it I mean what again mm. like mm. you know exactly. fast forward to 90 or 100 years old and and you no 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 just no, no. <laughs> no for sure <laughs> um so <laughs> on that note let's uh have a little summary of Three takeaways from you for our listeners uh, to live a life aligned with conscious service. What's kind of three quick takeaways that you'd share? For me, one of the big ones that, that was like an insight for me one day was that who we are has everything to do with how we serve and contribute in the world and how we show up in the world. And I think that runs contrary to a lot of the things that we're conditioned to believe it's mm, kind of mm. leave, leave home at home and leave work at work. And yes, that's yeah. the compartmentalization, but the more integrated we are, the more we actually can show up fully and healthy mm -hmm. in our own being. So that that's huge. I also um, think that shifting our perspectives that quite often we think of self-care as an act, uh, something to put into our agenda, another mm -hmm. thing to do, like mm -hmm. we mentioned before, but for me, self-care acts naturally emerge from a grounded self-loving presence, like we were discussing earlier and an attitude of uh, self-compassion an approach of self-compassion. Mm -hmm. And then finally with conscious service, it really is the, the heart of it is about relational space 
And the more deeply we can be connected with ourselves, the more capacity we have to relate with others. And not in a kind of forced or obligatory way, but something that just naturally emerges, you know, because we're giving Mm -hmm. ourselves that attention, we're present and engaged here. Mm-hmm. So then we can, and we can be doing that simultaneously. That again is not linear, right? We can be yes. noticing what's happening and what our sensations are while we're with somebody else and still be fully present and engaged in that interactive relational space. So I think that's another key piece too. Beautiful takeaways. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, the last thing I'd like to ask you before we wrap up is what is your ideal way to take a break? My ideal ways. <laughs> to You're take absolutely <laughs> totally fine to say ways. If you'd like yes. to share a few, that's all good. <laughs> I find that it changes. I think very much the theme that we've talked about today in terms of being in the moment and what's needed in the moment, that's kind of my approach. I have certain things that I know I go to um, most of the time. A break for me is moving physically. Mm. So whether it's a run or a walk or it's yoga or weight training or whatever it is, I find that really moves my emotional energy through Mm -hmm. instead of it getting stuck and having me uh, perseverate on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one way, but then I am just as some days, just as ready to, you know, stare at the ceiling and go into that (laughs) trance. And that's like a break for me. Mm-hmm. And interactively, because I'm I'm mostly an introvert, so that's usually how I recharge. Um, or mostly introverted, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece is with my grandson. Like I have found really preparing myself to be present when he's here every week. Um, I get so much out of that to just mm-hmm. be able to be here and not thinking about other things and just be with him and enjoy that process. So that's one of my most um, energizing things to do, or thing or ways to take a break with other people (laughs) is when I'm with him. (laughs) Love it. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for that, Elizabeth. And how can people get in touch with you or find out more about what you're doing? Yes. Well, probably the best way would be to either um, connect with me through my website at elizabethbishopconsulting.com, email info at elizabethbishopconsulting.com. And you can find the book anywhere that you love to to buy books if people are interested in that. I'm always happy to uh, connect with people. I'm on social media, but usually if people shoot me an email or something, that can be even easier or better. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, it's been so wonderful to speak to you today. Thank you so much for your time. And I wish you all the best moving forward with your projects, with your book. You know, like I said, very well timed with with what you're doing and how you're helping others. So thank you for, for all that you do. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for having me. It's been such a pleasure. It's a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Take Regular Breaks is hosted by me, Tanya Diggory, and has been produced by our team here at Karma. Our show is mixed and edited by Jack Baxter. Our original theme music is by Oliver Sudden, and our design is by Longevity. You can listen to our show on Spotify and other popular streaming platforms. For more information on Karma and our mental health and wellbeing services, visit thisiskarma.com. Thank you for listening and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.